Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. Today, I want to talk to you about something that I think is completely underrated in its value to relationships and to the people in the relationships. At the end of today's episode, I'm going to ask you to do a very specific behavior that I also think will help improve your mental and emotional wellness. Listen on and be sure to listen to the end. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right. Hello and welcome back. Welcome to mid-October 2021. I'm still, I feel like I'm still trying to process 2020. And we're almost completely done with 2021, which just seems completely unreal to me. Uh, hopefully that you have been enjoying this year. You've been enjoying this fall. I don't know where you live. I just did a uh, little back-of-the-house search through all of my podcast stuff, and it turns out that uh, the fastest location for listeners uh, for listeners being added to my podcast listening. For people being added to my list who, I don't really sure how to say this, for listeners, location-wise, is Europe. Uh, I actually had uh, a lot in Russia this past week, so welcome, Russia, uh, which is kind of cool, I guess. I don't know. It might just be one episode. might have been a keyword in there somewhere that uh, triggered them to show up. I don't know. Either way, today I want to talk to you about something that none of us want to talk about, but that I believe is vitally important for any relationship to be healthy. Let's talk about conflict. Uh, literally right before I came on here to in order to make this recording, I was reading a leadership magazine and the feature article was this idea that leaders who avoid conflict actually hurt their company. They don't help their company. And, and I want to talk about this for a minute. I think a lot of things happened. I've talked about some of these points before. Uh, we've kind of moved to the place in our society where if somebody disagrees with us, if somebody gives us negative feedback, they're a hater. We have great inflation where everyone is used to getting A's and B's. You know, you do your work and you get A's and B's uh, regardless of how well you do the work. And when the teacher pushes back, often is the case the parent it, it is the case that the parents will uh, blame the teacher rather than go after the student. Right after, rather than having their student take the negative feedback and improve, they tend to go after the teacher for the negative feedback. And conflict has not only gotten a bad rap, but it's become underrated in its ability to develop healthy relationships, in its ability to help us be better, in its ability to help us become better versions of ourselves. We've kind of just written conflict off as bad. And I was reminded, uh, I'm often reminded about how good it is for couples. In fact, I often get worried when couples don't have conflict because if you're not having conflict, something's wrong, typically. Having conflict means that we're both fully invested in this relationship and in expressing our own ideas. And often, if, if there isn't conflict, we may be fully invested in the relationship, but we're not fully invested in bringing all of ourself to the relationship, because if we did, there would be conflict. And so I want to list for you some benefits that I believe conflict brings to a relationship and will indeed bring to you so that you can have better, better emotional and mental health. You, you look at today, you know, what happens, and we've talked about this. If you, if, if you want to see what happens when we have conflict, just bring up the vaccines, bring up the mandate uh, for vaccines, bring up choice, bring up what does choice mean, bring up politics, bring up Trump. It, it's so interesting to me as I watch people from both sides use the same arguments that they 
that they mocked when the other team used them, right? So when Trump was in office, my liberal friends would use arguments against Trump, and my conservative friends would mock that. And now that uh, Biden is in office, my conservative friends use the same arguments that they were mocking when my liberal friends made them against Trump, and now my liberal friends are mocking those arguments. And what happens is, is it develops this, this path of unproductive conflict, unprocessed conflict, and, and we condition ourselves that we just have to surround ourselves with an echo chamber of people that agree with us and we'll be okay. Now, I do want to put a little caveat note here. There is a difference between what I'm going to talk about today and continually hanging out with people that either you don't gel with, which is pretty minimal, right? In other words, we're not called to be friends with everyone. We're called to be friendly to everyone. We're called to be kind to everyone. But we're not called to be friends with everyone. There are people that are good people that they don't want to be my friend simply because we don't share same interests. We don't enjoy the same things. We don't gel. And while we're friendly, we're probably not friends. And that's okay. There are other people, though, and this is where it gets a little bit worse. It get, they're, they're toxic. And, and I see this a lot. People hell-bent on hanging out with people and being friends with people that actually bring toxicity to their life. That is not what I'm talking about in today's episode. What I'm talking about is, is how do we handle the inevitable conflict that comes when two or more people enter into a relationship? Because one of the things that we have to consider is if we're going to do anything with our life related to meaningfulness, it's going to be involved with other people. Uh, and, and so one of the things that we have to consider is what are we doing to to foster those relationships, but are those people healthy? Are they good for us to be around? If they're not, we need to make modifications. We do not need to keep engaging in conflict with those people and bringing toxicity into our mouth, into our lives and into our minds. All right, so I want to talk about a little bit of, of the benefits of conflict. Number one, conflict tells the other person that you love them and care about them more than you love and care about your own comfort. It is universally understood that most people do not like conflict. So when you willingly engage in conflict with someone, what you're doing is you're telling them that you care more about them and the relationship than you do your own comfort. This is a great way to build relationships. Uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, I have to be honest, all the days run together, somebody wrote in how they were frustrated with their friend because their friend would post stuff on Facebook or social media, I think is what they said. So I assumed it was Facebook. And then when they would get pushback, they would like deactivate their Facebook account. Uh, and, and, and the friend was very frustrated with that B because the person, but here's the thing. I think what most people fail to understand there is the friend's frustrated, not that the, that the posting friend has an opinion, but that they won't engage the conflict. They're more interested in making a point than they are in making the relationship or making a difference. And we should never be about making a point, but we can get involved in conflict. We can engage in conflict because disagreements naturally occur. Opinions uh, are, they intersect in ways that, that are, can be explosive. And the absence of conflict is not peace. Process conflict is peace. So by entering into that relationship of conflict with the person, we're saying, hey, I care about you and I care about our relationship more than I care about my own comfort. Point number two, conflict allows your relationship to grow by moving both parties into deeper water. This is really important. You, the deeper into the water of relationship you get, the more intimate your relationships become. What do we, we mean by this deeper? Well, okay, 
We all know shallow relationships. We know shallow conversations. We need deep conversations. When my kids were little, they had this little blue, you've seen them in stores, the little blue plastic pools you get for 20 bucks. And they sat in them and they could float in them and they would sit in them and cool off and it was nice. You couldn't swim in them, but you could get cooled off. The advantage is they can't drown. The negative is they can't learn to swim. I have to put them in water that in theory they could drown in in order for them to learn to swim. Not in theory, they could drown in it because in order to swim in it, it has to be able to go above their head and they could drown. And so this is what happens with relationships. We tend to avoid the deep stuff because we're afraid of the conflict. The problem is you don't get to selectively avoid. And when we avoid the conflict, we also avoid the intimacy that comes with the conflict. All right, number three, conflict helps each person to become a better version of themselves. You have to develop self-control in an argument in order to be able to do it in a healthy way. I'm not arguing for unrestricted conflict. I'm not arguing for, you know, just just go at it, have conflict, scream, holler, call names. What, what I'm actually suggesting is that we have to engage in conflict in a healthy way. We have to process conflict in a healthy way so that we can be uh, a better version of ourselves, so that we can learn to develop the muscle memory of working through our own self-control. Often what will happen is, as a counselor, we help people find the exceptions to their faulty belief that the reason they're yelling is they can't help it. And I'll hear people say all the time, well, I can't help it. It just makes me angry. Nope. You can help it. Nothing makes you angry. And having anger as an emotion is different from responding with that anger. And so when you respond with that anger by engaging in behaviors that you don't agree with or that are wrong, right, calling names or those types of things, I, I will often say to people, there's somewhere in your life where you're not doing that. And I'll start guessing and we'll find the exception. And I'll say, okay, right there, you're a better version of yourself than you are when you're home with your spouse. Because when you're home with your spouse and you feel conflict, you jump in and you, you do it in ways that aren't healthy or you avoid it, which is also not healthy. So conflict helps each person to become a better version of themselves. Number four, conflict teaches us to differentiate our emotions. I'll often ask people, okay, well, what's going on in your relationship that the person in your relationship with is engaging in these behaviors? And they'll talk about the behaviors. They'll talk about outcomes. They rarely try to distinguish the emotions that are driving them. For instance, if anger is in the, conf- in the conversation, there's other emotions there that need to be pulled out because anger is a cover-up emotion. It's a secondary emotion. It comes after we feel other emotions. And so when we engage in conflict, we, we have to start pulling apart our different emotions. We have to start gently pulling apart the other person's emotions so that we can better understand. We need to listen to understand, and that becomes, we need to do that whether we're in conflict or not, but it becomes increasingly difficult when we are in conflict to listen to understand if we're not separating and direct differentiating out people's emotions. And one of the problems with our make-a-point culture is that we, when people are in, play, in a place that is, is negative or bad, we tend to really celebrate these one-liners. The memification of society, if you will. Uh, we, we, we just celebrate these one-liners many, many times. They're logical fallacies, but they sound good. And so people utilize them and we just shut down conversation rather than swimming into the deeper waters of the conflict and trying to separate out the emotions. And the beautiful thing about this is 
if you can learn to do this in conflict, you'll learn to be able to do it in many other places. You'll learn to be able to recognize it in your coworkers, in places around you, and you will become a better communicator. You will become a better motivator. You will become a better version of yourself because you're learning to figure out and differentiate other people's emotions. Number five, benefit number five, conflict fosters teamwork. This one sounds a little bit strange, but the truth is we only resolve conflict when two people move towards each other. Anything else is typically not a resolution of the conflict. It's the removal of it, which is not healthy. It's not healthy because it creates a habit of running when conflict happens. And when we run away from conflict, we avoid the potential increase in our intimacy levels in the relationship. Uh, In my book, I talk about a friend of mine who was trying to uh, um, get higher up a tree for photography, and he actually bought a hunting stand, and he would climb, and he would have panic attacks, and he would climb, and he'd have panic attacks. But he kept going back until he got to the place where he was comfortable. In my own life, I was recently helping a friend hang something, and we had to get up high, and the first time, I was flipping out, dude. And most of the time what happens is when we feel conflict, we feel the same fear that my friend, the photographer, felt that I felt when I got up, when when I was getting up on that ladder. And instead of continuing to engage into the conflict or the process, we stop and we go away. And what that does is then it creates a habit. Rather than creating a healthy habit of fostering teamwork, it creates an unhealthy habit of isolationism. And so as we engage in this idea of conflict and processing conflict, one of the things we want to be on the lookout for is how do we foster teamwork with the person that we're in conflict with? Because that's how we grow. That's how we get healthy. I think group projects in the academic setting are one of the most vile things ever thought of. But I will say this, the idea behind them is great. The idea of fostering teamwork. We lack teamwork in part because we can't engage in conflict. Because it, we believe that we have to be completely in agreement with people to be teammates. And that's, that's silliness. We just have to agree on where we want to go. And, and the rest of the stuff we can negotiate out. That's handling conflict, negotiating stuff, negotiating it out. And that's how we become healthier than tomorrow than we are today. Number six, conflict develops our self-control. We all have a build-in response to conflict. For many people, the response is destructive to the health of their relationships. And they know this, but they keep doing it because they fail to engage their self-control mechanism. They fail to engage the growth opportunity for their self-control. Engaging in conflict affords each of us the opportunity to develop our use of healthier responses. And that's the epitome of self-control. It's easy to do something destructive. It's not hard to do something destructive. It's far more difficult to be angry and engage a conflict of conversation. My wife and I recently had an argument that kicked off like at 10 o'clock at night, and we talked to almost one in the morning. It was hard. I was tired. I was tired two days later. But you stay in the conflict because it tells the other person, hey, I care about you more than I care about this, my own comfort. I care about this relationship more than I care about my own comfort. It, it allows your relationship to grow into deeper, more intimate waters. It helps each of us to become a better version of ourselves. It teaches us to differentiate our emotions. Like, hey, I'm angry, but I'm also kind of pissed. Oh, wait, that's the same thing. Okay, well, I'm angry, 
And, oh, yeah, you know what? I feel hurt by this. And that also created fear. Conflict gives us the opportunity to engage in real teamwork because we have to, we have to be able to talk to each other about what we're feeling. And at the same time, we have to engage our self-control because that self-control is how we do everything that is healthy rather than giving in to the destructive, unhealthy options. Conflict creates a repository of memories that affirms to us that our relationship is secure. If someone is willingly on repeat, is willing to repeatedly engage in conflict with me, I interpret that as they really care about me. They want to be with me. They're not with me because they have to be with me. We're not friends because it's just a payoff to them, uh, you know, for something shallow. They truly want relationship with me. And often I will judge the intimacy of my relationships with people based on how comfortable we are disagreeing. And I don't think I'm the only one. Because what happens is the more times that we engage in conflict and we process it and we do it in a healthy way, we then create this photo album in our mind, if you will, of interactions that allows us to, we, to go back and pull those pictures out when we're feeling distressed, when we're feeling uh, fear, when we're feeling anger, we, when we're feeling like, you know what, this person doesn't want to be with me. Like if you make a mistake, well, okay, wait, I've screwed up before. And, and we've made it right. I've made it right. We've, we've gone through the process or we're having conflict or just mad right now, but we can process through it. You feel the feelings, you feel the negative emotions and you keep moving. And that is one of the beautiful things about engaging in conflict. Number eight, conflict creates emotional security. And if you know me, you know that this is my big, this is my platform that I stand on and I try to get people's attention to think about all the time. Emotional security is knowing that it's safe to know and be known. When we engage in conflict, we're actually creating emotional equity, emotional equity, relational equity, excuse me, and relational equity creates emotional security. Because I just don't have conflict with people that I don't care about, people that I'm apathetic towards or indifferent to. I just don't, I just, okay, yep, two plus two is five. Okay, you're right, it is. And I just keep on moving or, oh, okay, so I'm glad you believe that. And I move on. And yes, they still get mad. But I, the, what I'm, the point I'm making is I don't care. I don't care enough to go through the pain of conflict to be like, no, two plus two isn't actually five. If I have two fingers and I add two fingers, I only have four fingers. I don't have five. Be- because I'm, there is a price to pay for conflict. That, that, is, that is an assumption that I assume everyone knows. That is an expectation of mine. There is a price to conflict. And so when we engage in that conflict, all of these things that I've listed today, they come true, but they also develop relational equity, which develops emotional security, because I know that it's okay for me to be known by you, because if we have conflict, you're going to come to me and we're going to sort it out. You're not going to leave me or abandon me or ghost me in, in today's terms. Because we disagree. Now, there, I, I started with this. I'm going to end with this. This is not talking about people in our lives that are bringing toxicity to it. But here's the thing. We need to really kind of dial that definition down. If you don't like Donald Trump and one of your friends does, that doesn't mean that that friend is bringing toxicity to your life. If you don't like Joe Biden and one of your friends does, that does not mean that that friend's bringing toxicity to your life. It might mean they're bringing toxicity to your life if they're always shouting you down about that topic, if they can't talk about anything else. If you don't like baseball, what's wrong with you? No, seriously. If you don't like baseball, yeah, no, really, what's wrong with you? 
Okay, let's let's be serious here. If you don't like baseball, that doesn't mean you're bringing toxicity into my life. It just means you have poor taste. No, I'm sorry. It just means that we disagree on something. I've talked about this before. Look for 70 to 80% agreement. I have friends that on any topic you bring up, it's probably 50-50 on whether or not we agree. Now, are we super close? No, but that's intentional in my life. I really only have about two or three people that I'm intentionally, four people, four guys, that I'm intentionally close with. Then there are other people that are kind of in the periphery there, and then there are other people that are outside of that altogether. I know them. I'm polite to them. I'm kind to them. They know me. We talk when we see each other, but there's not a level of intimacy there. And then there are people that I actively do not want in my life because I believe that they bring toxicity. So you're going to have to make a decision on that. Not everyone who's on your friend list today should be on your friend list tomorrow. I don't mean Facebook. I mean your actual real-life friend list. Not everybody who was on your friend list two weeks ago should be on your friend list today because they're bringing toxicity into your life. But then there are other people that are not bringing toxicity you're just going to have conflict with. I love my wife. She is a ball of emotions, both good and bad. She loves me. I am a ball of emotions, both good and bad. And we have good days and we have bad days. We have days where we argue. We have days where we don't. And it's okay. That's part of growing together. That's part of relationships deepening, is being able to engage in conflict. If you like this list, the top eight things that conflict does for us, feel free to reach out to me if you want a PDF of it. I'd be happy to send you a PDF of this list. Also, if you haven't read my book, these are this is right out of a chapter in my book entitled Conflict is Your Best Friend. My book is called The Emotionally Secure Couple, uh, The Key to Everything You Want in a Healthy Relationship. Uh, available wherever books are sold, but you know, if you can't find one, let me know if you want the book so that you can read more about this. Also, let me know that. Be happy to uh, get you a copy. If you found this episode to be beneficial, I want to ask you to do something very specific. I want to ask you to share it with just with three friends. You Not like in a general setting. Just text it to three friends. If you don't know how to do that, there should be a share button in whatever podcast listening thing you're listening to and share it with three friends. One of the things that I believe is that the more we engage with activity that is bigger than ourselves, i.e. sharing information with other people, the more opportunity we have for our own mental and emotional wellness. And so with three friends doing something bigger than yourself, share it out with three friends. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.